What's the best site in India? The Taj Mahal, the Golden Temple? For Rintwa, it's his market stall. Some years ago, he lost his sight and then his job. I'm Lisa from Specsavers and we help the Hope Foundation provide eye care in Kolkata. Rintwa was found to have cataracts. The charity performed surgery, which gave him his vision back. He regained confidence and returned to work. Find out how we're changing people's lives for the better at specsavers.ie. Tony Downey, born in Drumahair, County Leitrim. I taught in England for 40 years, first in two London schools, then two colleges in Birmingham, deputy head in the Black Country, and finally head teacher in Burton. I told lots of stories. I loved it. Then came time to retire. I began to write as an accidental hobby. The first short story was nervously shared with a few friends who encouraged me to keep going. I did. And soon a collection of stories was emerging. So here it is for anyone interested in this man's journey from Leitrim to Birmingham. I suppose the subtext is that Leitrim is often overlooked and those taking the boat are also overlooked. Overlooked twice. This is a glimpse into their journey. As retirement approached, I didn't want to be a consultant or an Ofsted inspector. I opted to learn to play traditional Irish music on the flute. And so began a slow, very late apprenticeship. I'm a firm believer, I have to be, in the promise that patience and perseverance got the snail to Jerusalem. The stories are scarcely veiled, semi-autobiographical stories about Leitrim to Birmingham. Fair day in Drumahair. There were two radio stations that we listened to, Radio Erin from Athlone and the BBC Light. The sponsored 15-minute programmes on Radio Erin all had their own distinctive style. One, for example, only played Frank Sinatra, while the problems aired and shared in the letters were solved. Well, aired anyway. The other programme that stood out was sponsored by a music store, Walton's. Walton's played only Irish melodies and, as I recall, began with This is the Walton's programme, your weekly reminder of the grace and beauty that lies in our heritage of Irish songs, the songs your fathers loved. If you feel like singing, do sing an Irish song. Hello, good evening and welcome, was the calling card of David Frost, the BBC broadcaster. When asked why he was also such a success in the US, he said that he thought they saw something of themselves in him and called him a PK, a preacher's kid. Many of them were also preacher's kids. I was known locally as the master's son as my dad was the local schoolmaster. Another broadcaster from RTE and later the BBC was calling to Drummahair to see my dad. And en route, he told his wife how funny it was that all those years ago, when presumably 
things were done differently in the west of Ireland that Mr Downey was known as the master. When he asked for my dad at the post office, our home, as my mother had the post office, he was told Master Downey was out. The master wanted us to learn poetry, like Goldsmith's deserted village schoolmaster. Full well they laughed with counterfeited glee at all his jokes, for many a joke at he. Not only was it common to hear lines of poems, it was encouraged. You felt that if you had an air, you could sing it. I suppose that growing up two miles from Yeats's Lake Isle of Inish Free, poetry would be in the air. Yeah, it was. In fact, Yeats has a poem about the priest who lived in the house behind ours, and another about a fishmonger who sold fish outside the house on fair days. The old priest in the poem, Peter Gilligan, had a saintly good name for looking after his flock, and especially looking after the sick and the dying. Neighbours asked him to visit their elderly relative who was dying. He promised that he would, but when they left his house, he fell asleep. <gasps> he realised what had happened when he woke up, so he raced to the house in the dead of night, but oh, the old person had died. The family thanked him for coming twice that night. Yeah, a saintly man with a saintly intervention. I looked forward to the fair day and the crowd that Yeats wrote about. The fair day took place on the village street. But this, however, was a planned village with its houses set back from the street, some with walled gardens, a parallel back street for services and a market street leading to a fair green. The Somerset planner had roads built around the village, bypassing the village, so that cattle could be taken to market without spoiling the beauty of this his planned village. Such intended order was mocked by the chaos of the fair day as everything just tumbled out onto the main street. I spent the whole day as an apprentice cattleminder. This was a very active and hugely responsible role. Well, I thought so, as I minded three or four cattle for a local farmer. First, though, the morning began as an altar server. My mentor, James, a big fellow of ten or so, and a veteran of serving mass in Latin, was late. Maybe he was busy getting cattle ready for the fair day. When eventually the sacristy door opened, I shouted out that he was late. Sorry, said Father Matt, as he laughed at my criticism. Father Matt sometimes stepped in if the PP was absent. Father Matt O'Carroll, MBE, had been a chaplain in the First World War. General Haig, who was in charge of the British Army, said that a good chaplain was as good as a good general. Father Matt was later to become in charge of all the Catholic chaplaincy before he retired. The best bishop we never had, I heard Dad say, and my dad, the master, thought it a shame that he wasn't asked to be more involved after he retired. After Mass, 
Father Matt got into his Morris Minor with his roof down and with a hearty cheerio and a wave, he went to Ross's Point for a swim. I went home for breakfast. Breakfast over and out onto the street. To show that you were ready for this informal apprenticeship, it was essential to have a stick. Well, that's what I felt at eight and a half. Well, I was almost nine. A stick in your hand, like the farmers. Although, when I tried to whack the stick like them with authority on my Wellingtons, I often just hurt my leg. Maybe it would improve when I got into long trousers or just hurt less. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. Given, though, that the Somerset planner had been ignored, yet there was an order to the fair. Bonovs were sold outside Healy's. Turkeys, around Christmas time, outside Villiers Castle. Cabbage plants by Dunleavy's. And fish, outside the hotel, opposite our house. But mainly cattle. Cattle up and down the village. By now, I was loosely in charge of three young cattle, so I was near enough to see the action. I had, I suppose, a front row seat. A dealer, a cattle dealer, with distinctive boots and a rattle to mark the cattle he would buy, had to buy at least 16 animals, as he had a contract to put 16 onto a rail wagon heading for Enniskillen or Dublin, where they would be finished, fattened, in Scotland or in northern England. The dealer offered the farmer X pounds for the three heifers. The farmer gave the impression that he was convinced this was a contemptuous first offer. He pretended to look both horrified and hurt. He dismissed the offer out of hand. Then the dealer would look to sulk, to storm off, a type of false tabs. Oh, I loved the pure theatre of it all. Then enter stage left, an intermediary, who coaxed the dealer back to the deal, promising that he could persuade the farmer to reconsider. Sensible negotiations then began. When they got near the same figure, a small crowd gathered, partly for the drama, but also to know the price they could expect later that day. One farmer would then take both the farmer's hand and the dealer's hand and ask them to split the differ. 
and when they agreed, noisy hand clapping took place to seal the deal. Luckpenny then changed hands. Then the dealer had someone to drive the cattle away, so I was left with no function but to watch the next stage, which was a good health drink in the nearest pub. Mediums and bottles of stout were ordered, some had hot whisky and a mineral for the master's son. I liked the kindness and belonging that came with apprenticeship. Amid the noise and the smoke came a shout to be quiet for the singer. A tall man, a cap askew on his head, he sort of leaned and sort of sat on the stool and he began to sing a great crowd had gathered outside of Kilmainham, their heads all uncovered, they knelt on the ground. And as he reached an emotional crescendo, he reached for a neighbour's hand, which seemed to help him to reach the finale of James Connolly, the Irish rebel. I, I was confused. I knew that I would ask my dad, and confident that he would know about James Connolly, but I suspected that I should be circumspect about the location, the pub, where I had heard about him. Ah, I didn't need to worry, as Dad explained about the great socialist republican. He suggested that there was a strong socialist tradition among the Arigna miners, the men and men who had worked in England. The singer finished to great applause and, like the formulaic theatre of the Fairday Street, there was another formula in the pub for singers. He got to nominate another to sing. He nominated a young man. And this young man sang with a sort of clear voice you heard on the radio. He was very well received and Things went quiet as he sang about local men who had been out and fighting in the War of Independence. I was interested and then riveted to the spot when he sang about four uncles of mine, four brothers of my mother's who were out. I could sense maybe it was because of the obvious political name-calling that it wasn't diplomatic to ask someone in the pub to explain such a recent historical event and that they had such strong political convictions about. I left to find out at home, knowing that I would return for the music and or for further orders as a slightly more experienced apprentice. Back home, and the War of Independence was explained, and how, yes, my four uncles were involved or out. Then the old IRA fell out over the details of the treaty to set up an independent country. In the subsequent civil war, two of my uncles fought for the treaty and two against. I was shocked. I asked, Against each other? Yes, sadly, yes. And then I learned that their sister, my aunt and godmother, 
was engaged to Brigadier Joe Ring, who was killed in the Civil War. Oh, back, bewildered, to the pub to hear of any further apprenticeship work and to hear another song, maybe. Oh, yeah, the music continued, but it was different. Two men who knew, or as they said, had loads of jigs and reels, exchanged them with each other by lilting and foot-tapping. And this was the prelude to some tunes on a fiddle and on an accordion. My employer, a loose enough concept, asked me to look after four young cattle outside Robinson's shop. Robinson's was one of the seven shops all protected from the cattle bought, open for business. I felt that this was my responsibility because my employer designated that spot. Ah, but another youngster felt that that specific pitch was his. We argued and fought for the privilege of minding these cattle. Falling onto the very dirty road, well, it was fair day and there were lots of cattle as we scuffled. One elderly man seemed horrified and visibly distressed at the sight of two young lads fighting. He was shaking, he intervened, he, he told us to stop and then overcome with emotion he said that it reminded him of his time in the trenches in the war. We forgot all about our territorial dispute as he was so visibly shaken. I was terrified by what he said and all these years later I find it hard to say what he said. In fact, I've never told anybody what he said. He talked about a war where unspeakable numbers were killed. Many men from the local area, like this man, had gone to war. Many from Sligo Town and the area were killed. Many families in North Leitrim and the adjoining Sligo maybe would find some comfort that maybe Father Matt was there at the end. But on the day that that awful war ended, another letter was sent to a heartbroken mother in Suey, a neighbouring village, whose son was killed on the very last day of the war. I was confused by what I had learned that day. Yeah, I was an essential cog in an economic machine, a well-oiled machine that took cattle from North Leitrim to the British market. I was to see the theatre of the market, an organised but precise chaos to a chorus line of jigs, reels and songs. Songs about the War of Independence and songs about Republicans. But another neighbour, an elderly man, this elderly man, had a different story. Huh? Not just a neighbour, said my dad to me later. Our own family is as complex as any. His father had been an RIC sergeant. 
Years later, I was at home in Drumahair from university. On a terrible wintry day, I was the driver of a group from the village invited to Cavan to see a priest anointed as bishop. The roads were treacherous with black ice. It was dangerous. With some care and attention, I managed. Father Matt, the best bishop we never had, was in the back seat. He tapped me on my shoulder to congratulate me on my skill and said, you remind me of Monty's driver in the desert, he said. I didn't need to ask if that was Montgomery of the desert campaign. I loved telling these stories to the children of my school. Yes, I too had become a school principal in England, like my dad. I worked long and hard trying to explain how complex the First World War was, especially in Ireland, and spoke about Matt O'Carroll. I began Matt O'Carroll from Drumahair, was one of the 17 Irish priests who volunteered to be a chaplain. I knew from a sort of common sense that not everyone, not all the children, always listened to my stories. So I was surprised to find a small deputation waiting to see me after this assembly about the war with its reference to Matt O'Carroll. Sir, said one, we didn't know that you knew famous people. I asked, uh, how come, nervously? You know Matt Cardell, the X Factor winner. You were talking about him in assembly. <laughs> oh, I let them go to their lessons with a smile. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations.